Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Stevens Creek Church. How are you feeling today? You good? Man, no place I'd rather be than Stevens Creek. It's great to see you. Welcome our Grovetown campus, our South Campus. Those watching online, wherever in the world you're watching, we're glad that you're here. It's going to be a good day at the Creek. Let me ask you something as we kick off this series. Have you ever lost something of great value? Because I'm, I'm losing stuff all the time. Thankfully, I have a wife who can always find it. She always knows where stuff is, but I just misplace stuff. But perhaps the most valuable thing I ever misplaced was once on a road trip years ago um, at a gas station. I temporarily left one of our children in the bathroom and drove away. Um, Now, we have four kids, and I will say, once you get past two, it's much easier to misplace one of them. It just is. You transition from the man-to-man to to the zone defense, and it's just one. You can can miss one. And so this is what happened. We're on a long drive. Um, Our kids are like, 14, 12, 7, and 4 at the time. And so we, we stop at a gas station. They're all boys. They, they pile out of the car. We go to the bathroom. The bathroom's a one-seater, so you got to wait your turn. There's a long line, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, guys, listen, this isn't our, our stop. You know what? We'll just we'll hit the road. And with boys, one of the benefits is you don't even really need a bathroom. You just need some trees. So I'm like, we'll, we'll figure something out. And so let's get in the car and let's go. So we get back on the interstate and start driving again. And down the road, a few miles, our 14-year-old at the time, Cooper, he looks up from his, uh, his video game, and he's like, um, hey, Dad, uh, where's Connor? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, um, Connor, I, I don't think he's here. And <laughs> I look back, sure enough, he wasn't there. So I did this, Matt, like you turn, you know, peeling rubber, turning back the other way on the interstate. I get all the way back to that gas station and I run inside. I run to the front of that line and Connor has worked his way all the way up through that line and is now in the, in, in the place. And I'm banging on the door. Connor, you in there, buddy? He's like, yeah, dad. I'm like, good. I was just worried. You were kind of taking a while, you know. <laughs> but hey, glad you're all right. You know, I told your brothers they couldn't get a snack, but you can get whatever snack you want. How about that? I love you so much. I love you so much. And I went back to the van. I'm like, listen, he doesn't need to know we drove away. And my seven-year-old was like, but daddy, you say we don't keep secrets. I'm like, yes, I've said that. However, and then we're going to have a lesson here about the difference between deception and discretion. And discretion says we don't need to tell him that we forgot him. I mean, he's no need. And so Connor comes back into the car, and our seven-year-old instantly looks up from his video game and says, they forgot you. They drove away and didn't even know. So Connor, we love you. He's actually watching on the screen right backstage because he just volunteered with our kids' ministry. What a great kid. Connor, you're amazing. We love you. You're 15. You're awesome. We love you so much. I'm never going to leave you again. Um, but sometimes we, we, we lose sight of things that are valuable. And in our culture, we're losing some really valuable things. We've got some vanishing values, some values that God has called us to live by that are disappearing from our culture and sometimes even disappearing from our lives as followers of Jesus. And we are called 
We're called to uphold God's values. In fact, the, the principle we'll come back to throughout this whole series is this. God is calling us to uphold his timeless values in a world that is rapidly abandoning them. But we can't let the world shape our value system. We've got to shape the world's value system. And it starts with us by living out the way God called us to live. A verse we'll come back to each week of this series is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it'd be a great one to just commit to memory. It's a great verse. And it says this, don't conform to this world. One translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I love that. But let God transform you by changing the way you think. Then you'll be able to know and understand what God's will for you is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. We know God's will and we live God's will when we allow God to transform our mind. And we allow him to transform our mind by putting his word into our mind and our heart and allowing his word to shape our values instead of letting the world around us shape our values. So each week over the next four weeks, we're going to look at one value that's that's vanishing. And we're going to look at how do we get it back. And today, the first value is this. It's the value, the vanishing value of honor. God calls us to live lives of honor, but our world is largely living in more and more dishonorable ways. So what is honor? Honor, essentially, in a nutshell, is just to live with a standard of integrity in everything that we do in our own lives. And to honor something or someone is to assign great value to something or someone. It means to respect and protect and cherish something it's what it means to honor. To dishonor, of course, is the opposite. It means to treat something or someone as disposable or irrelevant or unimportant. And honor is so important, especially honoring the right things is so important because of this principle. Whatever you honor, you're going to keep. But whatever you consistently dishonor, you are likely to lose. A relationship that you keep dishonoring, you're going to eventually lose that person from your life. If you keep dishonoring your physical health, then your health is probably going to disappear eventually. The things that we honor, we tend to keep. The things that we dishonor, we tend to lose. I'll give you a, a quick, quick example about this. So what do you think is the most recognizable face in the whole world? Who, who, when I say, what's the most recognizable face? If you showed this face to every person on earth, what's the one face the most people on earth would recognize what it is or who it is? So you don't have to say it out loud, but... Mickey Mouse, well, you know, it might have been Mickey Mouse, actually. You know, that's good. I wasn't prepared for that. That was a good answer. That was a good answer. But in, in one of the studies I saw that was probably un- unfamiliar with Mickey Mouse in this small corner of the world, it was, it was this face, the Mona Lisa. Look at that. I know, yeah. I know Margie and George just went on a little birthday trip and saw the Mona Lisa. We were talking about it backstage. It's so cool. Now, I got to see the Mona Lisa 20 years ago, all right? 20 years ago, my first trip overseas, my parents were, were living and working in England for a year, and um, Ashley and I were newlyweds, and we were broke and had never been out of the country, and for Christmas, they got us plane tickets to come and see them, and so we went to visit them, and then one day, we, we took this, like, under-the-water channel train thing to get to France, and it was so cool, and we went to the Louvre, where they have the Mona Lisa, or La Jaconde, as she is called in French. And my mom, who had taken high school French, was really cocky about how much French she thought she knew. This was really entertaining to me, uh, because I had also taken French and, and was, was better than mom, but I kept quiet because it was so entertaining watching her try. What I learned about mom's French, mom, you know this is true if you're watching, her French is English with a bad French accent 
and some Spanish words thrown in. So she would literally walk up to people on the street and be like, oh, excuse me, senor, excuse me. Uh, where is uh, the Mona Lisa? Gracias, gracias. And they would look at her like, this crazy woman, what is she talking? And it was the most entertaining part of the trip, I'm not gonna lie. But we finally found uh, the Mona Lisa there in the Louvre. And, and here is what's kind of surprising about her. Most famous face. It, she's much smaller than you'd imagine, first of all. A small little painting in a place with massive paintings, these huge masterpieces that cover entire walls. She's got this whole big wall and section to herself and it's just her and she's just this big. And she's in a fireproof wall behind bulletproof glass with the most sophisticated security system in the world all around it. There's guards watching her and people from all over the world just, just file in just to take pictures and selfies and just to, just to get a glimpse of this, this famous face and that enigmatic little smile. But what's interesting about, about her is she didn't always used to be this famous. In fact, I can tell you when it happened. It happened in 1911. She was already 400 years old, still looking really good for her age, no Botox or plastic surgery, still no wrinkles. But 1911, she didn't have the honor that she has now. She didn't have the security. She was just hanging on the wall like any other painting. And an employee of the museum stole her under his trench coat, and just walked out. And for years, she was missing. And something really interesting happened during that period. More people came to see the empty space where she had hung than ever came to see her while she was actually there. You see, sometimes we don't fully appreciate something until we've lost it. And anything that we dishonor, anything we don't protect, eventually we'll lose. So once, once she came back, then the honor began, the protection began. And we need, to, we need to honor the right things in our lives. We need to honor God's masterpieces in our own lives. And so what are those things that God is calling us to honor? Well, in our time today, I wanna to run through a list of, of seven specific areas that God calls us to give honor. Now, there are more than these in the Bible, but if we'll start with these seven, I'm convinced that it'll change our lives and it'll help us live lives with more honor. Before we jump into those seven, one more verse, because one of the opposites of honor, one of the main forms of dishonoring something is to what the Bible calls scoff. Scoffing and scoffers are those who dishonor honorable things. And there's a lot of scoffing going on right now. Scoffings are those loud people that just complain and they mock and they ridicule and they criticize. And when you look at social media, when you look at the news, when you just look around the world, you see a lot of scoffing. And the Bible said that this would happen. The Bible was prophetic, 2 Peter 3, 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. People will start honoring dishonorable things and dishonoring honorable things. And we've got to get back to the place of honoring what God says to honor. So what does God say to honor? As God's people, as, as followers of Jesus, what are the things that we should be honoring? Well, here are seven of them, if you're following along. Number one, we need to honor God's word. God's word, the Bible, breathed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, written through imperfect people like us, but, but breathed by God, God's perfect holy word. And every time we open it up, this text message from God right to us, it's alive and it's active and it transforms us. I love what the psalmist wrote. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on all your decrees. Like, 
it's saying, I love your word, God. I, I want to meditate on it. I want to savor it. I want to treasure it. Later, the psalmist wrote, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the more of God's word that we can store up in our minds and our hearts, the more prepared we're going to be for whatever this life throws our way. We've got to be ready for it. We've got to be ready. And God's word is what renews our minds and makes us ready. You know, years ago, uh, I was preparing a sermon for the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' most famous teaching. You can find it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 in the Bible. And, and as I was preparing it, I started kind of feeling convicted, like, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is Jesus' most famous teaching, and I should really do my part to, to just memorize as much of this as I can. Because I need to know the words that my Savior taught. If I'm going to say I'm a follower of Jesus, I, I should know what he actually taught. And so I started out to just try to memorize as much of that as, as I could. And I, I didn't get it word for word, and, but I, I really wanted to understand the core teachings there. And so I did that as part of preparing for a sermon. Well, a few months later, I went for the first time to a trip to Israel, which was amazing. And it was a wonderful experience. In fact, we've got a, a group from this church that's going to be leaving here just in a week or two to go to Israel. Um, Ashley and I are going to lead a group this coming summer. If you want to come with us, we'd love to have you. Because what happens when you go to the Holy Land is it brings God's word to life in a new dimension. When you're reading about something and you've been to that place and you've experienced it, it just comes to life in a new way. So I'm on this trip. It was a wonderful experience. And we go to where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Beatitudes, it's called. And it was so surreal for me because I'm like, man, this is where he stood. He was here teaching these words. And right before we got there, one of the guys who was organizing the trip, without really any notice, he came up to me and he goes, hey, Dave, you're a pastor. When we get there, do you think you could lead a devotional for the group? I'm like, wow, yeah, I'd, I'd be honored. And, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I, I knew what I was supposed to say because I, I got there and I stood in front of this group. And, and I've, I've actually got a picture of that, I think. So I'm, I'm there in front of this group where Jesus taught this message. And I'm like, listen, guys, like this is a sacred moment be, because this is where Jesus taught. And there's nothing I can say. There's no opinion of mine that counts at all in this moment. So all I want to do to honor honor our Savior, is I just want to share some of the words that Jesus shared from this spot. And because I had committed to memory, in that moment, God gave me the opportunity to just share. And I just, I just started to say what Jesus said from there. I said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are you when you face persecution because of righteousness. Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way those who came before you persecuted the prophets who came before you, because you you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does someone light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it out for all to see and it gives light in the darkness. You, you're the salt of the earth. And, and on and on and on. I taught because I'd put it in my mind and my heart what Jesus taught about love and faith and, and anger and, and all of these things. And as, as I just said the words of Jesus without adding any commentary of my own, I looked around at this group and, and people are, are weeping, and, and people are, are praying. 
And it created this moment where, you know, even years later, so, you know, folks will text me out of the blue with pictures or videos from that moment and say, that, that whole trip was amazing and life-changing. But that moment of just, you just saying the words of Jesus where Jesus said them was one of the most profound moments. And I'm, I'm so thankful just to have had the opportunity to do that. And that opportunity was made possible just because I had taken that one little section of scripture and said, I want to know it. I want to know it inside and out. I want to not only live it, but I, I want to be able to recall it in moments when I need it. And when we take God's word and put it in our minds and our hearts, you'll be amazed at how God will t give you opportunities in moments where you wouldn't have otherwise known what to do to let God's word tell you what to do. So we don't have to figure it all out on our own is the good news here. We sometimes think, Faith is this big mystery. We've got to figure it all out on our own when really God's given us the answers to so many of life's questions already. So that's number one, honor, honor God's word. Don't worry, the rest of them will be faster. You guys are like, not. you're looking at your clock. Wait a second, we're on one out of seven. We're not gonna get out of here in time, but you need to have faith. Ye of little faith. We're getting out on time. Trust me. All right, number two, honor your parents. Can I get an amen from the parents? In the room, yes, praise God for that. Shout it to the children and the teenagers. I don't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. It's what it says. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You'll have a long life on the earth. Now, this doesn't mean if you honor your parents, everything's gonna be perfect. You're still gonna have a hard life. You're still gonna die someday. Doesn't mean if you dishonor your parents that nothing good's ever gonna happen to you. But if you honor your parents, it's putting you in line to receive blessings from God that I believe you otherwise would not have received. And beyond that, it's just simply the right thing to do. You think, well, my parents weren't perfect. Join the club. You know what? I lost Connor for a little bit. Jesus' parents... Earthly parents picked by God, Joseph and Mary, they lost Jesus at that same age for three days. Can you imagine? This is in the Bible. I make none of this up. Joseph and Mary on a road trip to Jerusalem. It took me 15 minutes, you know? I'm not all bad. It was a day, a full day. They lost the Savior, their whole job. God tells them, keep track of Jesus. It's your whole job. My son, the Savior, keep track of him. It's a full day, and they're like, you seen Jesus? They're on the way back home. I thought you had him. No, I thought he was with the other. I thought he was with the cousins. I thought he was over here. A full day. And then they had to go back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine that conversation? We're going to hell. We lost Jesus. I mean, like, there's no coming back from that. We got to find him. So they, they find him days later. And then it's hilarious. They're not sure if they're allowed to be mad at him because he's Jesus, right? It's a great story. And he's teaching in the temple. How can you be mad? I mean, the kid's like preaching. I mean, I, I don't know. What do I do here? Do we ground him? He's Jesus. He's perfect. It's a good, you, you're, you're laughing nervously like, I don't know what to do with this information. God is funny. You can laugh. It's cool. He knows all parents are imperfect. He's the only perfect parent. He's the only perfect parent. So how do you honor your parents? Well, when you're young and you're under their roof, even though they're imperfect, you obey them with a good attitude. It's your whole job. Your life will never be easier than when you're under your parents' authority at home because you know exactly what to do. All I have to do, my whole job, 
is to honor my parents by obeying them with a good attitude. Now, when you get older, you're out of the house. Honoring your parents looks different in that season. It's no longer your job to obey them. But it's your job to still honor them. And how do you honor them as an adult? Well, very often the first thing you do is forgive them because they weren't perfect. And to constantly remind them of their imperfection. or I mean, sometimes, yes, you have to work through real issues and you need to, there, there's a place for even family therapy that's gonna be very helpful. But you honor them by giving them grace. They were figuring stuff out too. They, they weren't perfect. They're imperfect, broken people like all of us. And you offer them grace. And, you, and you, you work to develop a healthy relationship with them. You still take their advice with respect, even if you choose ultimately to do something else. You honor them. And then in their old age, when maybe they need financial support or maybe health issues come up against them and they, they really need physical support, you honor them by providing for them, by being there for them the way they were for you in your early life. That, there's a full cycle of life in how we honor our parents. And in every season, as we honor our parents, God honors us. Because anytime we honor someone that God has told us to honor, it's actually an act of worship to him and an act of honor to him. So honor your parents, kids, and adults. They honor your parents too. Number three, this is, the, this is probably our least favorite one on the list. Honor those in authority. We don't even like that word, do we? Authority. No, I want to stick it to the man, not honor him. This is what the Bible says. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Then it goes on about, you know, honoring, honoring those in, uh, in authority and even specifically political authority. And here's the tough part. Honor even the people you didn't vote for. Can you imagine? This is in the Bible. Is the, nobody in the Bible on Twitter? Do they not know that we're not supposed to honor the people we didn't vote for? We've got to honor every position, knowing that even if I don't agree with the person who's in that position, even if I actively campaign against the person who's in that position, I honor the structure of authority that is set before me, and I want to even in my disagreement, even in my opposition, do it in an honorable way. Not as a scoffer, but as someone of integrity and, and honor who will dissent and disagree with honor. And we've, we've got to get, get back to this, guys, because as the church, we are terrible at this right now. Terrible. You know, we think, we, we, we elevate to sainthood every politician that we like and we absolutely demonize everyone we, we don't like. And there's no real honor in any of that. Not the way God intended. It, it puts everything out of whack. And so we gotta get back to what does God say to do? And you think, well, yeah, but things are messed up. Things have always been messed up. This is from Paul's epistle to the Romans. He was imprisoned by Rome. This was during a time when Christians were thrown to lions in the Colosseum for entertainment. Like, they understood what persecution really meant. They understood what it meant to like disagree and dissent with the political structure of the day. And, and the Bible's telling us, but you still find a way within that to live with honor. Jesus said it this way. He said, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with them the extra mile. And we use that whole go the extra mile thing without even understanding where it come from. This is where it came from. In those days, Rome was occupying Israel. Essentially, the, the Jews were like slaves in their own land, occupied by this military force that was coming and taxing them to death, 
and really oppressing them. And a Roman soldier could walk up to any citizen when they got tired of carrying their own stuff and point at you no matter what you were doing, no matter where you were going, and they could by law require you to carry their stuff for one mile. Hey, you, you, yeah, you, come over here. Carry all my gear. One mile, we're going this way. Now, you could say, that's not right. Of course it's not right. Jesus said, well, what do you do when that happens? I'll tell you what to do. You walk with integrity and honor for that mile. And then when your legal responsibility is done, say, you know what? I'm feeling energetic today. I'm going to go with you an extra mile. I'm going to confuse that guy. Like, wait a second. Because that second mile, like the first mile, you can feel like I don't have any control. I don't have any power here. But the second mile, you have all the power. I'm going to show you the way that I live as a follower of Jesus. Now I go the extra mile. I will serve. I will humble myself and serve as a way to give honor to my God, who one day will set all things right and make all things new, and he's going to bring a new kingdom that, that's bigger than any political structure this world could ever come up with. And he's the king that I serve. The Bible says it this way, you know, to, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for God and not for human bosses. Some of you guys have a terrible boss, and I'm sorry about that, you know? And you think, well, I'm going to just quiet, do what they call them, quiet quitting. I'm going to do the minimum because they don't pay me enough, and I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to stick it to them without them even knowing. I'm going to just do the minimum. And guys, that is unbiblical. That is a dishonoring way to live. We should be the hardest workers even if your boss is a jerk. Doesn't mean that you don't look for another job, but while you're looking for that other job, say, Lord, help me to be the hardest worker here. Help me to be a light in this dark place for as long as you have me here. Even if I'm not appreciated, even if I'm underpaid, help me to do it as an act of worship to you. Let me, let me sweep these floors or whatever I'm doing as an act of worship to you. And yeah, Lord, promote me in your timing and put me where you want me to be and, and give me a better boss someday. And he will, he will promote you. As you live with honor, doors of opportunity will come your way. But in the meantime, where the real growth happens is when we trust God in seasons where we feel like we're being dishonored and we still choose to live with honor. In your, in your job, in your school, you study hard and work hard even for that teacher that you feel like isn't giving you fair grades. You work hard for that boss even when they're a jerk to you because you're not actually working for them. You're living by a higher standard. You're working for the Lord and he's the one who's gonna promote you in his time. But we've gotta, we've gotta be willing to honor those in authority. And I camped out on that one a little bit because I think that's the one we're the worst at right now. I mean, I struggle with that. We, we only like authority when authority's good to us, but sometimes sometimes we have to honor even the authority that we don't, don't particularly like. All right, next one. Honor your leaders in the church. Bible says this, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Now, Pastor Marty and Patty are not here today because they are on a trip celebrating their 40th anniversary that happened several months ago and they spent their anniversary with us and so they're taking now a trip to celebrate that. Pastor Marty and Patty, if you're watching right now, we, we honor you. We love you. We've got the best pastors here. They've given their lives in service to this community and to this church. And I'm telling you, Ashley and I, my wife, we get to, with the marriage ministry we're part of, we've been able to be in some of the, the biggest churches in the country around, you know, quote unquote, famous pastors. And there are great people doing great stuff all over the place. But I've said it many times and I'll keep saying it. There's nobody on earth I'd rather call my pastor than Marty Baker. He's, he's the real deal. Marty and Patty, we love you. 
We honor you. South Campus, Pastor Branton, we love you. Grovetown, Pastor Steve, we love you. The, the leaders on every level like that are serving and giving their lives to, to just help the church and the community grow, we, we honor you guys. And, and we want to make your jobs easier by supporting you in it. All right, next one. Honor marriage. Even if you're not married. The Bible says marriage should be honored by all, but here's a verse. Give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, the second part of that verse sounds scary, but here's the, the good news. All of us are immoral. So all of us fall under God's judgment, but the good news is Jesus has already paid the price. And because of what he did on the cross, no matter what sin you've committed, like you're under God's grace. So this verse, when it talks about God's judgment, it's not talking about God's judgment to those of us who are in Christ, saying those who choose to live outside of God's standards, outside of God's grace, and to create their own rules for life, for sex, for everything, they're inviting judgment on themselves. And so we're called to live by a different standard. One of the things that set the early church apart from the rest of the world was they chose to live by a different standard as it related to sex. You guys think like sex is messed up and broken in our culture right now, and it is. But what was happening in ancient Greece and in ancient Rome, and we'll get into this in a couple weeks because my wife Ashley and I are up here together gonna talk about the vanishing value of sexual purity, and we're gonna be very, it's gonna be an important conversation. And if you've never heard sex talked about in church, you're in for a treat. You say, well, you shouldn't even talk about sex in church. I don't know why I sounded like Jimmy Stewart there, but <laughs> of course you should talk about sex in church. God invented it. That's part of the problem. We're getting all our messages about sex from people who have no idea what God's standard for sex is. You know, magazines don't know. Netflix doesn't know. The porn industry certainly doesn't know what God's plan for sex is. And so they're peddling this counterfeit message and then the church is silent on it. And we've, God has so much to say about it. And let me tell you in a nutshell, sex is a beautiful, awesome, amazing gift within the covenant of marriage. And it's a really destructive force anywhere outside of marriage. But we're gonna talk more about what that means. And Ashley's up here and she's amazing. And we're gonna, so come in two weeks, we're gonna talk about that. But in the meantime, just, you know, know that sex is a gift, all right? Stop looking so uptight and nervous. God made sex and sex is good. In fact, this Thanksgiving, it's coming up. If you're married, when your grandma says, now what's everyone thankful for this year? Raise your hand. Sex, grandma. It is good. Had it right before we came over here. And praise God, pass the turkey. You know what? God made it, it's in it, he's in it. Lighten up. But we need to honor marriage. And Ashley and I, we've kind of devoted our life's work to this particular topic because I feel like stronger marriages create stronger families. Stronger families create stronger churches. Stronger churches create a better world. And we've lost sight of the marriage aspect of that as being so foundational. But we're, we're, we're working to, to help our, in our own marriage and others as well to, to reclaim that. So come in a couple of weeks and we'll talk about the sex part. All right. Number six, honor each other. Honor each other. Be like, ah, oh, but some people are jerks. I don't want to honor them. I get it, but I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> Romans 12, 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Not only honor each other, but you actually like honoring each other. Get to the place where you delight in it. 
You think, how do I do that? Well, you have to reframe how you see people and how you do that. Well, think about it this way. All right, so a few years ago, I got invited, a group of pastors, to go to the Louisville Slugger Baseball Bat Museum and Factory in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, growing up in Kentucky, this was like really cool for me. I was a baseball fan all my life, and it's the coolest place if you ever get a chance to go if you're a baseball fan. And the guy who runs the whole company, it's still family-owned after all these years. He was showing us around and kind of doing this little retreat for us and showing us all this cool stuff and where the bats are made and all of it. And he goes, I'm going to take you guys to a special room. And he took us to this, this special, like, vault. It looked like a bank vault. And he goes, now, before you go in here, you got to put gloves on. And put gloves on. And then he started handing us bats. He goes, here, I want you to hold this bat. Tell me what you think. And I, I held this bat in my hands. Started swinging. I'm like, man, that's sturdy. You could tell it was old, but that's sturdy. And, and he was like, yeah, look, look whose name's on that bat. I looked, there was a signature. Babe Ruth. He's like, yeah, Babe Ruth, it is. 700th home run with that, that bat you're holding right there. And then there were other bats, and it was, it was guys like this. It was, it was Ted Williams' bat. You know, this is the one that he, that he used to, to be the model for all the other bats we carved for him. It had to be so precise down to the exact ounce. He, he knew exactly what it would feel like, and he used that bat, and his 3,000th hit with that bat. Oh, you know, Jackie Robinson, the, 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 the things that he did with, with, with this bat, Hank Aaron broke the home run record, you know, holding this bat right here. His name is right on it. Look at the date. Look at his signature. That bat was in his hands. And I'm just like, shake. My hands are like shaking as a baseball fan. I'm holding these bats. And then, and then he gave us something really, really cool. He gave us our own bat. You know whose name is on this bat? Dave Willis. You know how much this bat's worth? Nothing. <laughs> Nobody wants a bat that says Dave Willis. I was a terrible baseball player. I had poor eyesight, poor coordination. I was even bad at t-ball, you know, and like, you know, but I, I thought it was cool, but I don't even display this because it would just lead to awkward stories. Oh, where did you play? Oh, well, uh, Little League, sort of. Um, I keep it in the hall closet in case someone breaks in. That's what I do. So what I do, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm not going to kill him with it, but I'll hit him in a kneecap. And so they come in, you know, kneecap, and then while we're waiting on the police and ambulance, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. <laughs> and then it'll be part of their testimony later. Hey, man, how'd you get that limp? It happened the night I met Jesus. <laughs> It'd be a great story. So <laughs> what does this have to do with, if I talked about adult ADD, this is a real problem we need to address. <laughs> what does this have to do with honoring, honoring others? Well, you don't honor others because of who they are. You honor others because of whose they are. Those bats were so valuable because of who had held them in their hands, who they were made for, whose name was on them. And human beings are so valuable, not because of their own names, but because of whose name is imprinted on them. God made them in his own image, created them in his own image, made their soul eternally valuable. Jesus gave his life on the cross for them and we are called to honor them because when we honor people, we're actually honoring the one who made them. And that brings us to the very last point. Honor the name that is above every name because he's the name that's written on our hearts. Revelation says it this way. And I've heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. So friends, a glimpse of heaven is that we forever get to praise and honor and celebrate 
our Savior, Jesus. And in our time on this earth, we're called to honor his name, the name that is above every name. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna end in a unique way today. You see, it's time to end. I told you we were going to be on time. So, but this is how we're going to end it. All our campuses, Grovetown, South Campus here, everybody stand up for me. We're going to do this. I'm going to put the name that's above every name on this screen. And so Jesus is our Savior, our Lord, the name above every name. Now, in our culture, we tend to give the best of our honor, the best of our praise to things that don't matter that much. And I'm a big sports fan. I cheer for touchdowns. I like music. I cheer at concerts. But let's not go giving our best praise to things that don't really matter and then give Jesus our little golf claps, you know? So when we end today, like, let's end this way. For just a few moments, we are going to go wild like they do in kids' ministry. When you tell kids' ministry to go wild for Jesus, they're screaming and jumping and hitting each other with chairs in Jesus' name. And the adults, you know, again, golf claps. I want you guys to get loud for a few moments. And you know what? If that's not your thing, I think really it is your thing. You get loud for something, I guarantee. There's something that gets you loud. And let today, let that thing be Jesus. I'm going to count down from three. I'm going to get out of the way. I don't, want to, I don't want any of this praise to, to get slowed down by me. And I just want you to go nuts for the name that is above every name, to praise him, to thank him, to honor him, and to give him your best for just a few moments. Let's do this together. Three, two, one. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, you are the name that is above every name. You are the king that is above every king. We honor your name, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to live lives of honor. We praise your name. Yes. Yes, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let that praise that you're feeling right now, God, even, even as we leave this place, let that praise continue in your hearts, and your minds, even when it's not out loud. But do it out loud in your cars when you're singing. Do it out loud in the shower. But even when you have to be silent, let your heart be singing those praises of honor to your King. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And when we're praising Jesus, we're experiencing God's presence in a new and powerful way each moment. So let's pray together. Father, we praise your name. We honor you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. For anyone in this place who has not yet made you the savior of their life, let today be the day they say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. I've tried living my own way and it didn't work. I commit my life to you. Make me the person I was meant to be. Give me a new heart. Give me a new purpose. Adopt me into your family and help me to live my life honoring you and honoring all the things you've called me to honor. And for all of us, Lord, let us leave this place today filled with hope, filled with renewed strength, knowing you're with us and you're for us and let us live lives of honor for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.